We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode and catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Anthony Heron, score football analyst. You know what? Brad Pitt, you're a good actor. You're a movie star. You're more of a movie star than a great actor. And that's okay, because you're in really good movies and I enjoy them. Former NFL defensive lineman and Iowa Hawkeye. And as long as that ends up being the case, hey, Bishop, I'm still on the radio. No, it's all right. He can hang. Paw Patrol. I need another Paw Patrol. Okay, I'm going to come turn yeah, it on in just yeah, a couple of moments, all right? Big and Heron. Mr. Hedden, I want to compliment you. You're doing a fine job. With Bernstein and Holmes on the score. This hour is brought to you by Cars for Kids, and Anthony Heron is here in studio on the Bernstein and Holmes show here on this post-championship Sunday football Monday. Hello, sir. Hello, sirs. Yeah, it's uh, you know, the the football calendar is starting to to dissipate a bit. We got less on-field collisions remaining. Oh, know. the Pro Bowl will have plenty of them. The Pro Bowl games now, yeah. Yeah, but now now yeah. you get to spend more time with your family. They actually, I do. You can actually remember what it's like mm-hmm. to have you around. Right? Yeah, me yeah. me conscious uh, is is it takes a couple of weeks. The way my body clock ends up working, it takes a couple of weeks for me to get kind of fully re-energized after my football calendar. But yeah, then they. They get the, the full scope of my attention span, which they normally don't for about half the year. But soon you'll be senior bowl and combine man. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of that going on. I mean, that, that part of the year ends up being fun because whether it's the, the high school players going the collegiate route, or co- collegiate players going the NFL route, just kind of evaluating what's what and who's, you know, who projects at, at a certain status on their way in. None of us know and none of us have any idea for sure, but trying to make these educated guesses along the way for who who's the least likely to completely you know just sort of you know vomit all over themselves when they get to the professional level because it happens a lot guys end up vomiting over themselves a bit look you're the pro you tell us who was out of line kelsey and mahomes or justin tucker <laughs> so the the way the the timing pregame ends up working is that usually the the, the away team is usually allowed to to come out first and they get the full field beforehand and then after whatever it is, um, you know, the timing format, it escapes my brain a little bit. But I think it's usually how you get the full field yourself for like 15 minutes, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, something like that. And then you got to split the field in half. So then it gets to a certain point where, yes, there are times I saw some of the social media reaction where it's like, yeah, the kickers get to kick at both ends of the field. And that's true. But there is a timing for when they are allowed to have access to the full field. And then after I think it's like whatever, 12 minutes or 15 minutes or something, where then the other team gets to come out of the locker room, and then you're supposed to split the field in half. So, you know, the Chiefs were supposed to have half the field. Ravens supposed to have half the field. And sometimes players will come out individually and kind of do their own unique warm-ups. But the fact that it was, yes, it was Mahomes and Kelsey, but a whole lot of other Chiefs bodies out there, 
I don't know exactly when the video was taken. I think it was Palacero had the full video that everybody kind of was aggregating everywhere. But my impression is that was during the Chiefs' warm-up time on their half of the field. And then when the team who gets to come out first, then they leave. And then the team who only had half the field, they get the full field for like the final, whatever, 10, 12 minutes or something like that. So there are specified times where you get the full field, you get half the field, then somebody else gets the full field again. I think the kicker was in the wrong. And so I, you know, okay. that, that's my impression. Like he was, he was out of pocket and whether or not he was still allowed to be there. Cause I saw a bunch of chiefs out there. I don't think it was just like the two stars picking on the kicker. My impression was, Again, I don't know exactly when the video was taken, what timing it was. My impression seeing it, though, the kicker wasn't supposed to be on that half of the field anymore, so and maybe, he decided not to get out of the way. So maybe he was playing mind games with them. Right. That was this my impression. reminds yeah. me of Giannis and the ladder. It reminds me of the college teams that link arms and sweep the field. <laughs> they they, they line so up across. College, where, where the yeah. whole point is just uh, to mark your territory. Right. Like Warren Sapp used to run through pregame warm-ups. Like the other team would already be out there warming up. Here comes Warren Sapp just bounding through the Warm-ups, bumping into people pre-game all the time. It was kind of his thing. And I've a number of baseball, scuffles broke like out. Even like in youth baseball, it's like, it's our turn to take infield. Uh, You've taken your infield. Well, you're not the home team. Yeah. And the tournament rules are this. It's all remember and, and Robbie Gold also before games had a unique warm-up. And I forgot which side of the field he'd be on. Where he tried to kick the the uh from the side. Yeah. He would try to kick the the post. From the side of him, right. He that was like to. the last thing that he <laughs> yes, did. That he couldn't go back into the locker room until he he was able to to hit the post from actually the side of the goalpost. So I mean, I know. you know, it's there's a very specific timing script for who's allowed to be where. My impression, looking at it, is that. Baltimore's kicker was, was on the end of the field he wasn't supposed to be on anymore. And they're trying to warm up. You know, Mahomes trying not to step on his helmet or whatever. But you got some dude just leaving his helmet there, leaving his tee and his football's there while your quarterback's dropping back. I mean, if Patrick Mahomes turns an ankle before the AFC title game because the opposing kicker is leaving his helmet on the ground when he's not supposed to, I think the, the perception of that moment would have been very different. We just we haven't heard all the specificity of it because it was a cool game to react to afterwards and folks haven't really gotten into the minutia of it. My impression looking at it is that uh, Tucker was the one who was who was out of pocket there because I don't. It looked like he was on the end of the field. He was no longer supposed to be on. Well, speaking of pockets, why did Baltimore keep Lamar in the pocket instead of <laughs> using him to move the pocket or I don't know, run? Yeah, I mean, just run him, run your backs, run the ball. It's it's odd, and we see it. We've talked about it in this town quite a bit. You get into a big moment in a big game, and here's your offensive play caller who just decides that he he sort of gets swept up in the moment. I think that's what we saw with Baltimore. Yes, Lamar Jackson has certainly developed to the point where he is a beyond competent pocket passer. But the way that Baltimore is able to dictate terms to the opponents is is generated partially off of his mobility, whether it is calling him into movement, whether it's counting on his scrambling ability, whether it is calling true QB runs with him, and they, they just lost that aspect of their offense. And it seemed to me that because Kansas City came out and the Ravens hadn't experienced this season, a team coming out and having like legit offensive success early. Now they got it figured out. Not just any team. And it, because it was the Chiefs. Mm. And that's why what Wiederer just said, he goes, it became a belief game. Hmm. And the, despite the fact that the Ravens are probably better, they, they almost forgot they were better. Yeah. 
Yeah. And and the Chiefs once it be, he, he said once it became a belief game, the Chiefs uh, were like, all right, you want to do that? Yeah. We can do that. Right. And it was you know Baltimore's looking across the sideline. They're seeing that guy with that pass catcher and that offense, and they they got rolling early. So, oh, we have to keep up with them as opposed to we have to run our offense and and come in in the way that our game plan dictates gives us the best chance at success. And, you know, I went into the game thinking, yeah, it's going to be a tough one to call, but I feel like Baltimore, me and my wife had this conversation right before the game. So, all right, who you got? Like, uh, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is obviously amazing, and Travis Kelsey is still amazing, and this is the best defense that Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes have ever gone into a postseason run with. But still, it feels like Baltimore's year, and, and yet and still it just didn't end up working out like that. Because Baltimore, you know, they had about a bunch of unforced errors with penalties, and the offensive game plan just didn't seem to stay within the framework of how they've had so much success this season. It's, oh, they're having success. They're moving the ball. They're throwing the rock. Here we go. We got to keep up with them as opposed to just being who you are at your best. The timing and the effectiveness of the Chiefs blitzing to me stood out. That they were able to really affect the game Mm -hmm. that way. And they got home. But they... More so than getting home on Lamar, I thought they messed up the 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 timing of the Ravens offense. And honestly, like they've been playing great. Like the Chiefs defense has been terrific this year. It hasn't gotten as much love as maybe right. it deserves, but they've been no terrific. Doubt. I was surprised when tasked with, oh, well, okay, well, why don't you screen it? Number one. Number two, if you were running the ball more effectively you wouldn't end up in some of these third and whatevers mm, right. where they could tee off on you and get your quarterback on the ground. To And as much as anything, even winning second down matters so much. And to put yourself into third and short, and that's where Baltimore wasn't having much second down success as the game wore on. And so they end up in these third and longs. And so now because maybe you threw it on first down or you ran it on first down and didn't have much success, then second down goes awry. And you, they were in third and long seemingly so consistently throughout the game, that now you, you almost feel like you have to drop back and pass it, even though you know we see some teams in the NFC Championship game. We see multiple offenses there who are willing to run on third and medium to third and long and do so with some success there. But for Baltimore, they just they got so out of character because Kansas City moved the rock, punched in touchdowns early, and they just it seemed like Baltimore felt like they were playing from behind. And that Kansas City defense, when you can take the field with a lead, and that hasn't been their superpower this season. So much of Patrick Mahomes' career has been where he hasn't had a truly dominant defense like they've had this season. But the Kansas City offense gives them a lead, and their defense can get aggressive and, and play downhill and just play for takeaways as opposed to really trying to be sound. That hasn't been them throughout so much of this season like we've come accustomed to, but this postseason run and certainly the other day the offense got them a lead against a Baltimore squad that hasn't been behind very often and you could just see the way that Kansas City now dictated terms to the Ravens over and over again the rest of the way part of me felt bad for Zay Flowers because there are mistakes that guys make there are drops there are mental mistakes it was a fumble but he didn't make a mistake his opponent made a better play his opponent knocked it away from him. And I don't know what else he could have done mm. while diving to break the plane and then to compound that by smacking the helmet and ripping yeah. his finger open right. afterwards. Right. I just I, I felt bad for him because there's a time and a place where you can say, you know, I, I don't have any sympathy for that guy because he mm. screwed up or he wasn't prepared or he didn't know the play. 
he just had a guy make a play on him. Yeah, and I mean, you know, you had the 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 penalty prior to that on the same drive as well. It was mm-hmm. a lot that compounded mm-hmm. with Zay Flowers in that game, and I think. For a young football player, you can kind of chalk a lot of it up to immaturity that you hope he learns from. And I thought from what I heard of him addressing the media after the game, he seemed fairly composed afterwards and in an opportunity for growth from him. But that that moment where where a guy is approaching the end zone, where there there is, and you know, certain coaches will coach it in different ways, where sometimes as a ball carrier, whether you're quarterback, receiver, running back, as you're approaching the goal line with several defenders around you, with bodies around you, then some offensive coaches will coach you not to reach the ball across because that risk is there. You know, unless you're at a third down or a fourth down where reaching the football out could be something where you are putting it in harm's way. And yet we see so many highlights. Away. We were the T. Higgins play yeah. where you're like, oh, my God. And all right. you got to do is break the plane. Right. And we see guys running toward the end zone, like uh-huh. waving the ball out in front of them, too. Yeah. And when, when you have so many defenders around you, that's the last ditch effort that any defender has in that moment because you don't have someone to actually stymie your momentum before you get to the goal line. So all they can do is try to reach out and rake away at the football. And so he does expose the football and put it at risk. But if it's just a millimoment later and it breaks the plane and then comes out, it's a touchdown. So, yeah, it's not a huge boneheaded error, but could he have handled anything a little bit differently and just said, ah, if I keep this one tucked away, I got a chance. But, you know, it, it's it's you're splitting hairs to such a large degree that I don't really fault him very much for it. What did you think of the the plan and execution of Kansas City's offense yesterday? Strangely enough, you know, they only scored 17 points. Mm-hmm. They won the turnover battle 3-0, and they only scored 17. It felt like all of their plays were timely. Yeah. And they seemed to come through when they had to and did just enough. And versus the amount of zone coverage they saw early in the game, especially where that's – that's one of the superpowers between Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, just finding those soft spots in zones. And as Mahomes extends plays to find ways for his tight end, where they, they just got this kind of unadulterated kismet where they just know where each other's going to be and where's the spot that he can try to fit the football into. And so against that zone, the Baltimore was running so frequently early on, then they were just kind of carving them up and being comfortable. And then this is a gear that now, the Chiefs can exploit because they have a defense that can keep the opponent at bay. They don't have to keep the throttle down. They don't have to continue to take chances. They can be more timely with that when you have a defense that plays at the level they play at. And so, you know, yeah, scoring a couple touchdowns early didn't mean like they had to feel like they had to score 30 or 40 points. I really felt like Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, they go in knowing our game plan has to be if we get a chance to strike, we strike. But if not, against that defense, don't beat ourselves. Catch the rock, hit the dirt, complete the pass, take your profit, get yourself into striking distance. When we're there, let's make it count. But when we're not, punting is fine because they have a defense that can do that now. And you think about that Patriots dynasty that that went through so many different iterations where early on it was mainly defense, defense and run game. And then they began this passing attack and they had more talent. And throughout that entire arc, there were so many different versions of New England's excellence that led to Super Bowls. I think now, after a couple of Super Bowl trips, we're seeing now this current version of Kansas City that says, you know what, we can be more controlled with how we operate, and they've boned up that defense enough where, you know, it it doesn't have to be about Mahomes throwing six touchdowns. Big Ann is going to stick around because we haven't even talked about the NFC title game. We're going to ask him about that, especially as a former Lion. We'll get his feelings on all of it next here on The Score. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Bernstein and Holmes. I hate being a fan of this team. On Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. They'll break huddle. They'll be in the victory formation. It's 4th and 11. Purdy is under center. He takes the snap. He backpedals a step. Zeroes on the clock. It's over. The sideline's empty. With the comeback for the ages, the 49ers are going back to the Super Bowl and ripping the heart out of the Lions. Ouch, when you put it that way, Kevin Harlan, you have it's like those commercials. Well, that was dramatic. <laughs> Strangely enough, though, Dan Campbell said that after the game. Mm. He was like having your heart ripped out. Yeah. He's like he was no. listening to the broadcast. Well, he was himself, and maybe that was a time to learn to not be yourself. But if he was gonna go out, he was gonna go out being Dan Campbell. Doesn't really make it. Was that your takeaway though? Like, did, did you take better. issue with the fourth downs? I, I was. I, I didn't stand up and say that you're wrong mm-hmm. at the time. I, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I would have reversed all three of them. But I do think that that given the benefit of hindsight, you certainly could say it would have made more sense. You know, I'm. It's some of that second guessing stuff in a league that has so many in a league possible <laughs> these, these these like Kevin qu- Harlan to say that in a league the quantum number of, of mm. outcomes that that can occur it, it's hard to do that but I know that he's Dan Campbell will be kicking himself for and a it's while. why they're here right? right like it's why they got to that point it's why they arrived at that stage him being him and the belief the team has in that uh, you know, again, my, my wife was an athlete. She loved sports. We're sitting there watching the games. And in that moment, you know, we, we had that disagreement in that moment of whether or not, the, at least the final fourth down, you know, whether or not that one made sense. As far as I, my wife, my wife, never questioned Dan Campbell in okay. front of her. Really? She wants to date all. Dan Campbell. She okay. just, all right. you know, she was really down. She wants night. someone twice your size with bigger pecs she, than you. Yeah, well, I mean, she just, she loves <laughs> ever since Hard Knocks. Okay. She is, she just, because she always watches Hard Knocks. Okay. And this is her first year actually realizing she, she likes football. She's hated football all it's her life long. until she's realized, you know what? Because I found her, she used to kind of half watch, and then she's asking me questions like, 
What's the difference between defensive holding, pass interference, and illegal contact? I'm like, oh. Okay. All right. Well, I'm, I'm happy to I'm explain. glad you asked. And, and, and she is enjoying the Chiefs thing, and yeah. she, but Dan Campbell's her guy. And okay. she was really sad for him. Yeah, understandably so. And I mean, of course, I played with the Lions. I got a bunch of them on all, you know, Lions Which, emails and text on the O and 16 team? So I was on the team, I was on the team that <laughs> yes. started 0 and 12 and then won two out of the last four games. Gotcha. I, okay. I left Detroit by the 0 and 16 team. Okay. Uh, but, but I have experienced the Lions fans' angst and pain. And I know, I certainly know what that feels like. But I think for for yesterday's game, though, in in knowing who Dan Campbell is, knowing who Detroit has been, and frankly, just knowing kind of modern football sensibilities of analytics and everything else, I, I thought for the most part he handled. I, I thought the the one where where Reynolds had the the drop on, I think it was the middle of the fourth downs. I, I maybe took a little bit of issue with that, but the one at the end of the first half where they kicked the field goal, where you have you have a semblance of control of the game there. And, okay, you kick the field goal as opposed to going for the fourth down. The very last one, a 48-yard field goal. And to me, it's several factors in that decision. One, the makeability of the kick. And, yes, a 48-yarder, you certainly can get that. But at the same time, it's the ability to tie the game there, not take the lead. But then also, San Francisco was rolling so much offensively at that point in the game. They had kind of solved the Lions' defensive puzzle. So even if you tie the game in the fourth quarter, it's still over seven minutes they're getting the rock. They've been moving the ball consistently going into that stage of the game. I don't know that tying the game, even if you make that 48-yarder, I don't think Dan Campbell views like tying the game at that moment is giving them a real advantage with the way San Francisco had begun operating I, offensively there. I wonder if it would have at least broken some momentum, though. Like, to me, the, instead of like compound interest, there was compound mm-hmm. momentum mm-hmm. in them not getting the fourth down. Like yes, San Francisco had been in control, mm-hmm. and they're like, "We're still in control." Yeah, you and just you diffuse the energy a little bit, just a just a little I think bit, a and little maybe bit. it changes. Yeah, I think a little bit. Sure, if if it was a thirty-five yard field goal, and he didn't go for that, I would have had a bigger question than a forty-eight yard. The the cost benefit analysis of the potential for missing a forty-eight yard, giving them that field position that goes with it, and how much do we benefit from hitting a forty-eight yard with still, I think it was like. Oh, well over seven minutes left with in the, the journeyman fourth quarter. kicker. Yeah, and they're going to get the ball again anyway. So either way, you're going to have to come up with another stop. Either way, you're going to get the ball back with a chance to win, whether you make or miss that. But the bigger benefit would have been on a fourth and three. And they've made so many fourth downs this season. If you do convert that fourth down, turn that drive into a touchdown, now your defense takes the field with a lead. Their offense is now more on their heels than just a tie game when they've been rolling up to that point. So none of it guarantees you anything. But for me in that moment, thinking about the position Dan Campbell's in in that game where you're not living in the matrix. These aren't just sort of, you know, numbers and pluses and minuses. You're dealing with people here. And what gives us the best the best sort of intangible or momentum benefit? What's our cost-benefit analysis? If we turn this drive into a touchdown, we get more out of that than if we tie it here. And we certainly negate any possibility of momentum if we miss a 48-yarder and they get it with great field positions. I, I think there's a logical case to be made either way. I just I didn't take a big issue with that one, especially at that point in the game with so much time remaining. What did you think was the difference in the two teams in, in the second half of the game? I mean, you know, home field matters, and we don't think of of San Francisco as being this great home field environment. Detroit had a bunch of fans out there too; you could hear them in mass at various points in the game. But 
such a deep and talented roster that has been battle tested at San Francisco, even though they, you know, they haven't all commanded that Super Bowl stage or hoisted the trophy in the end. But you can tell that team has been through some battles together before. That is a a veteran defensive front that found ways at key moments in the game. And Jared Goff, as veteran a quarterback as he is, they began to find ways to kind of rattle him where he started off so hot and then began to kind of fizzle at stretches in the game. And, you know, Christian McCaffrey is outstanding. And we were talking about Debo Samuel a bit last week. When you have weapons like that, George Kittle didn't have a high volume of catches, but the catches he made were very impactful. And he's and just a really tough boy, cover. Boy, can he block. Yeah. My God, and is he a relentless blocker. We were just talking about the Baltimore Ravens of all teams getting away from their run game. Those are two teams on the field that, yes, have passing attacks that can make plays, but they have an offensive scheme and a, a determined willingness to continue going back to the run game over and over again. This is where, like the, the thing I emailed you guys with the list. You know, the teams who've been most successful over the last quarter century are teams who play defense, who do have a dependable rushing attack. That's the majority of that list that I was you know, talking to Parkins about late last week of, of the, the programs in the NFL who have been most successful mirror more like San Francisco and like Detroit. And then, yes, at some point, you, you, if you get the guy and everything else is, is sort of cured for you, maybe you get a Patrick Mahomes or something like that. But the teams who have sustained success most are squads who put a defense together, who have a willingness to run the football and take alleviate some of the pressure off the quarterback on a consistent basis, like these volume passing outfits constantly put on them. And that's what, to me, San Francisco and Detroit are both that. And, and it showed why they made that game. Well, that's why I asked this as sort of this fundamental question when we look at the Super Bowl combatants and we look at the decision the Bears have to make. If you're making that argument, what's going to happen is everybody listening is jumping up and down saying, see, this is why the Bears should keep Justin Fields and mm-hmm. trade the pick and build around him explicitly. Are you making that case through your analysis of this recent history, or are you just putting it out there? Like, is this a subtweet or not? I'm not making the case the Bears should keep Justin Fields. I do believe there's a more than logical case for them to do that. I believe the Bears will be a more successful team in 2024's NFL season with Justin Fields at quarterback than a rookie QB. Okay. But there, there's a more than intelligent case to make for if you – Get, you know, the right guy. If you get a really talented guy, number one overall, and put this great roster in place, I think logically the Bears will likely draft Caleb Williams or whoever they think is the best guy at number one, and it will probably make sense. But that being said, there's things beyond just the evaluation of the quarterback that, to me, indicate it makes sense. It's a fascinating discussion. I mean, it really is. So the way you look at this and the way you frame it, where everybody can be right. Yeah. Everybody can, yeah. and somebody could stipulate to everything you're saying. Mm. And even Ryan Pulse could say, Anthony, you make a compelling and lucid argument overruled mm-hmm. because Caleb Williams, in our evaluation, yeah. might possibly be an all timer. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be the team that let him get past us. Right. And I think that the film of Caleb Williams, because I've certainly talked to people who've known Caleb Williams and evaluated him, and people who very much vouch for some of the intangibles that are in question at this point, but Ryan Poles and his team will have to sort of sift through a lot of that. But just the evaluation of the film, Caleb Williams is certainly a better prospect at this point in his development than Justin Fields was. 
but Matt Eberflus is going into year three. The Bears are going into a we-got-to-win-it type of season. And do you want to saddle a third-year coach with a rookie QB, those types of things. But the teams who've been over the last quarter century most successful in football, like Baltimore and Philadelphia and Seattle and Kansas City, these are a lot of squads who win consistently, make the playoffs like every other year, have made multiple Super Bowls with a variety of different quarterbacks and multiple head coaches because they play defense and they run the football and they have really talented rosters and the infrastructure of development. That's my biggest concern as it relates to the Bears because when you get bites at the apple all the time, like the Dallas Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys are in the playoffs almost every year. They haven't won a playoff game in ages, but they're in the playoffs like, Sorry, I just like on an annual basis with Tony Romo and Dak Prescott and like Quincy Carter, like – they're there every year, and they get that bite at the apple on a regular basis. The outlier is the squad that is the Indianapolis Colts, where they get Peyton Manning, and then they just go on this run for a couple of decades. That, that, it's just it's different than what is actually the the true measure of success in football on a consistent basis. That is my biggest frustration with this entire conversation. And to me, the final four of the, the NFL this year was a great example of it can be done in different ways. Mm. There's a quarterback that was taken at the bottom of the first round. Right. He's going to end up being the MVP of the league. The other guy was kind of a throwaway failed <laughs> starter mm-hmm. playing for Detroit. You have the 256 pick in the draft, and you have the quarterback – who was overlooked by a lot of people in the draft community that are, if you go look, even guys that I love, like Daniel Jeremiah, go look at their 2017s and the quarterbacks that they had ranked. Mm -hmm. Go look at everyone and what they told, how many people had Mitch number one on their board and had Patrick Mahomes third on their board. I I certainly have Mahomes third. I had Watson one, Mitch two, Mahomes three. It's like, ah, it's an air raid guy. How frequent does that work at this level? He's careless with the football. Like all all that stuff in the evaluation matters. And to me, if, you know, Caleb Williams, if he is sort of this Mahomes type facsimile, modern football gives it more of a possibility of working. But in the end, can he be as good as Mahomes? Like to me right now, Mahomes is one of one with that frequency of playing beyond the script of the play as a passer. So do you get that if Mahomes is Steph Curry, can Caleb be Trey Young, something like that? But him being Mahomes feels pretty unlikely to me. But that being said, yes, but of, that of being- course, like, <laughs> yes, of course, it's unlikely it's re- it's that he's going to unlikely. be Patrick yes. Mahomes. And people like I hate that there people even using his name <laughs> when when they're talking about Caleb yeah. Williams. Because I mean, you got to come up with a comp, though, I, right? I get, I get it. that. But because he's so unique, mm-hmm. it really bothers me that people yeah. are just like, oh, well, the, clearly, uh-huh. clearly he's he's got the improvisational skills right. of Patrick Mahomes. Because Zach Wilson you, was supposed to be Patrick Mahomes a couple right? of years ago, too. I mean, Do you the, understand what you're saying? Yeah. Like, it's almost a discredit to Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like, this dude is he, he's a unicorn Stop saying that other people are like him. This is Be- like what Chase Daniel did on the afternoon <laughs> show when people were talking about Tyson Bajan, and he was like, "Whoa, hey, hey, hey!" <laughs> he's, he's, like you, he, I'm he, Chase Daniel, right? Exactly. No, he said that. <laughs> I'm mother, right? Chase how, many, how many guys right, are going to make forty right. million dollars never playing? And he's like, "Come on, I'm Chase Daniel." There's a respect on my yes. name, right? And I, I'm a Hall of Famer <laughs> at, at the, the bank. bank. <laughs> I do. I, I am thoroughly impressed with the evaluation of Caleb Williams. And so at this point, I will, I will not have any issue 
if the Bears draft him at number one. My bigger concern, and I, I don't like the conversation being distilled down to either they got the wrong guy or they got the right guy because I think our, our collective football discussion in this town can and should be more nuanced than that. And for the Bears, who over the last quarter century have drafted four different quarterbacks in the first round now, maybe a fifth coming up here, and haven't developed any of them to any consistent level of success. There's a bunch of examples of squads, and that email I sent you guys, Teams, I mean, even the ones I, I removed certain franchises from the discussion because, like, Green Bay, yeah, they had back to back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Neither of them were a top five pick with the Packers on. This is where, like, I think yeah, I didn't realize it in the moment, but then I, I was listening back to when, you know, Herb and Golfer, because I, I wasn't able to come back on Friday. But I think Parkins kind of thought, like, he had kind of proven a point where he said, well, the folks you removed from the list are the ones who won all the Super Bowls. That's true, but it still supports my argument, though, that Peyton Manning, like, the Colts are the only squad. Out of the ones, I removed the Patriots, the Packers, the Colts, the Steelers, and the Saints from that last quarter century of, of success and went to a bunch of other franchises who've been uber successful over that stretch of time. The only reason I removed those is because it was kind of one or two QBs who did it the whole time. There weren't as many examples of cycling through quarterbacks. But the Colts— And, and, and yet, logically— those also could have been similarly well-run organizations. Exactly. But they happen to also have the quarterback. To me, that they are evidence of that. The Colts are the only squad in those examples that I would say they drafted the right guy right. at number one overall, and he cured everything for the Colts. That's not Tom Brady with the Patriots. Tom Brady's like first three Super Bowls. He was like the 12th or 15th best person on their team. Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. Ben's not an example of them just drafting the right guy and him curing everything. He was a passenger on their first Super Bowl run. Drew Brees and was, then at became another, that. was at another They place. could not wait to get Drew Brees Correct. out of San Diego. And then he became something in New Orleans with Sean Payton and a franchise that put infrastructure in place. So the teams I removed, yeah, it was because they had kind of a singular or two Hall of Fame quarterback for a hmm. decade or two, but they support the argument I'm making. I was just kind of out of respect removing them because they weren't, they didn't have like three or four different quarterbacks over the last quarter century that were getting it done. But it's rare when you get the one guy who just makes everything else smell better for you. The Bears have a lot of stuff that they got to get right. I'd like to see you write this up, actually. I mean, the the, the rough data mm-hmm. is, is, is great. Have you thought about doing couple thousand maybe, words on the score website? I yeah, guess? maybe closer to the draft or something. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to take a vacation first. Who knows? I didn't expect to do this. Really, this was – I've tweeted some versions of this a couple of times here over the last few weeks. Yeah, but this is – And worth, got, got is, a surprising degree of pushback on it. So then I went a couple of Fridays ago. I was going to be on the air with Gabe that night, like two Fridays ago. So you know what? I went into it thinking like it's maybe Dallas – Philadelphia, Seattle. All right, let me just write it, like do some research on a few teams here. And then startling the amount of teams that have been so much better than the Bears with a bunch of quarterbacks and a bunch of coaches without having the right guy that they quote-unquote drafted. It's a lot more nuanced than that. You have to have a lot of things right around the quarterback. This is a very Joshian newsletter uh, kind oh, of thing. Oh, you know what that means. I'm just saying. Dan's 100% in on it. Hey, Big Ant, you really made it oh, now. No, I, I was going to bring <laughs> that when, when you get the comps to Joshian. Yeah, okay. oh. no, no, I was going to bring it back this week. Remember the conversation we had about the Snellinger principle, about Blake Snell and Cody Bellinger? He, got, he had a huge pushback. On that, and he wrote about that and about what it was essentially yeah. some of the, the argument, argument that, that I made. The, what was, yeah. was that was part of it. That was one of the planks yeah. of it. Of if you're not supposed to overspend on free agents, 
how do you get the free agents? <laughs> <laughs> and, and, yeah. and, and saying, what do you care if your team oversets? Either way, exactly. either way, right. I'd be really interested yeah. to, to, to I see I might this. do that. Yeah, Where are you going on vacation? I don't know yet. I don't know. We're just starting to talk about it now. We, we, we tend with the first vacation, like the first postseason vacation, we just figure something out at the last second. You're like, usually. let's let's go to New Orleans for a couple uh, of days. Or or let's go to like a resort in the Caribbean or something like that. We oh. do something like that last second. And then we do like a bigger trip kind of in the summer or whatever. But Where does Bishop want to go? At some point. The Serengeti. Yes. He wants to go to South Africa. Yeah, really? Yeah. That we're not going to plan at the last second. That we're going to no. take some time <laughs> to kind of figure that there. out. Right. Do you guys right. have any flights to South Africa? <laughs> right. But your blink. You know, we do. <laughs> exactly. But They're $10,000 a piece. You are. He is. He is. <laughs> He is. Was that Lethal Weapon 3? Two. Uh, two? Two. Yeah, that was oh, Leo Getz. Right? Leo Getz. But your blink. That's my mom's favorite character from any of the Lethal Weapon movies. Leo Getz. Hello. Can I please get some cotton for my nose? That's an actor with range. Joe Pesci. Here we go. Okay. That's that, my guy. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He has bestowed the blessing on Joe Pesci. Have you ever listened to Joe Pesci's album? What kind of? Oh, album? you didn't know that Joe Pesci oh, did an album. He's a band leader. Big, he and like Frank Vincent. You, you think it was the right Joe Pesci? Uh huh. Singer. Well, does he have like a baton and everything? No, too? he's like singing on this really? album. Really? Yeah. Huh. All right. Well, the who, next time, who would we comp his musical stylings with? I'm very curious about this now. To Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> <laughs> he is. He is as good of a singer as Patrick Mahomes is a quarterback. <laughs> I can't wait sure, to check this out. And we spend all this time. We've never seen stuff like this before with Patrick Mahomes. Well, what's Caleb Williams? He's just like Patrick Mahomes. Wait, but we've spent 102 years waiting to see someone like Patrick Mahomes. It's, I know. I know. What a coincidence, right? But it's shocking that you wouldn't go for, I don't know, Kyler Murray. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't just say that. Perhaps he's a better version of Kyler Murray, kind of souped up which, Kyler Murray, which right? would be pretty good. <laughs> no, now, let's go all the way. Let's go all the way to Patrick F. Mahomes. I, I hope he becomes just like Patrick Mahomes. I don't see it happening, but I hope he does. I hope the Bears figure out how to develop a quarterback, regardless of who it is next. See, season. that's the bigger issue too. Yes, that. You let's say that you have your comp. You have your Patrick Mahomes comp. Mm-hmm. Who's gonna teach him? It's my concern. It's whatever. It's you concern. know what? I've had enough of this. All right, get out of here, Aaron. <laughs> That's Anthony Heron. A couple of Bulls thoughts after last night's stirring victory in Portland. When we come back on the score. Bernstein and Holmes, middays 10 to 2 on 670 the score. The pull up right side by Grant off the mark, pulled down by Vooch. Ball game over. Bulls win. Bulls win. Bulls win. Time to dance in the Rose City of Portland, Oregon. 10496 Bull. Yeah, it wasn't easy. And that Portland team is, is god awful. They're, they're, uh, no, they're, they're not any good at they're, all. They're terrible. But it was an entertaining game. And Adam and Stacy were being silly. They were having a very silly night. I think it's like the end of the road trip. I mean, they've been they've been on the road for I a know. little while. Yeah, so they, you're entitled. And even when it was getting closer, like the Bulls had and this Portland's nice, a weird place too. Yes. So I totally understood. And then I was kind of like, hey, uh, guys. 
Guys? It's a game again. <laughs> Guys, I know you're busy yucking it up. There's a the thing going there's on. There's a thing that might be going on here. DeMar has to do the thing again. But then DeMar did hit a three amid all that. It wasn't just trading threes. But Portland can't shoot. They cannot shoot. And that's nice. So I thought Andre Drummond played well. I thought uh, Julian Phillips, man. High flyer. You see the the two-handed volleyball? Block. Yeah, he just get in the weight room. He's just got to get in the weight room. Well, but I mean that this is all part of the process. He's a first year player. These are things that have to change and will change. But he he clearly has NBA athleticism. And congratulations to Andre Drummond for the flop of the Bulls season. Okay, so, so was his flop worse than Caitlin Clark's flop when she ran into the fan? Oh yeah, I, I mean I didn't think hers was anywhere near as. It, no, Drummond's is hilarious. Have you seen Drummond's? Hers is pretty hilarious too. Drummond's is uh, well, but remember uh, she she weighs a hundred pounds. He weighs three hundred. Uh, <laughs> I did. We didn't. We never got to talk about the Caitlin Clark thing. Uh, <laughs> I know, like, oh, some student hit me and I've fallen into a heap and I can't get up. But so Scoot Henderson touches Andre Drummond. I mean, Drummond is a mountain of a human being. <laughs> and first there's like, oh, whoa. And then he topples. I think he got me. <laughs> yes, exactly. And then it was like watching. Do you remember? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Pete Postlewaite as the, the evil florist Fergie in the town. Yes. Do you remember his, when when Ben Affleck's character, spoiler alert, he shoots the security guard and he goes up and he corners him just as he's reaching into the safe. It was like that. The Andre Drummond death scene was, was like that. And crash, down he goes. I would not be surprised if you submit that to the league, if the league is like, uh, Andre. I gave your mother a hot dose. <laughs> yeah. Man, that, that is a, that a, is a, on a wire. That is a satisfying moment in that movie. That movie rules. It's a great movie. That movie but that, absolutely like, rules. That moment was so satisfying. Yep, when he comes back and gets oh. it. And he was actually dying when he yeah. was making that movie. Yep. It's a great performance. Oh, yeah. Like, as, like, everybody's as, great. Everybody's great in that movie. Blake Lively's great. John Hamm is great. Jeremy Renner is always great. They're all awesome. It's fantastic. And the, the British woman that plays his love interest is great. Ben Affleck was great. You yes. Say it. Everybody. No, he's always, he, I love him. But you didn't mention him. And he's, you know, the star of the movie. And the director, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah. So, yeah, that, 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 that's one where if it's on, I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm watching this the whole way. Such like, the plunger. Oh, it's so satisfying. It's just, it's like, oh, thank God, because I yep. thought that was going to be a loose end, and I'm glad <laughs> no, that it's not. Very much not. But that that was the Andre <laughs> Drummond. It's a big one, Elizabeth. Uh. <laughs> and down he goes. But the Bulls win, and they're <laughs> exactly. And the trade deadline is what two weeks away. Congratulations too to Alex Caruso for being on the in the player yeah, pool. Yeah, I'm so happy for him. We, I don't know if we'll ever, I mean, we're late already, but I do at some point this week, maybe tomorrow, want to talk about Luca's 73. Because I was watching it. He could have had 73, 10, and 10. And he got some bum teammates, man. And Luca was just like, how much more do I have to do? Just missing bunnies left and right. Having myself a margarita, right? 
Hey, hey now you're talking. Well, man. I was over at Caesars having myself Ooh, a margarita. Okay. Oh, the killer margarita. Yeah. Which is it the, on Lincoln? On Broadway. On Broadway. Okay. And so, so then I was like, you know what? I had a killer margarita. Don't get back in the car just yet. I walk. I was like, I'm going to go walk down to Belmont. It's a cool, crisp night. And I and like a shadowy figure, Joe Kilgallen steps out. He's like, Holmes. I'm like, Kilgallen. Because he was doing the set. I was like, hey. So we talk comedy and, and whatnot and sports and sports. And we're going to do like a podcast together. So there. It was like a nice night. It was. It was a really. I spent the majority of my time this weekend on the north side of the city. I had a good time. Did you get special dispensation? Do you have to apply for like a visa? No, to be I, allowed a certain amount of time. I have one from DePaul. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. It's, that's it's like, like going home you, too. Yeah, you got your tour card. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm already over there. But I went and bought some furniture and walked around, and saw some people, and had a killer margarita. Wasn't there a furniture place right at DePaul? That yeah, Roy's. That's where I went. I got an office chair from there years ago. Yeah, the I want to say Roy's burned down, it and did. then they rebuilt it, it. It did. And it was great. They treated me really well, bought some stuff. I'm going to, you know, I'm trying to make some things happen in these, these hard economic times. In these hard economic times. <laughs> really? Have you seen the markets lately? No, 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 very hard. The economic times are extremely hard in these hard economic yes, times. Yes, we're the, we're the face of it. Uh-huh. Bursting at homes <laughs> here with you until two on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.